From the Exalta Studios, well, not exactly. Exalta Airport. Yeah. We'll, not, we'll call it the Exalta Airport today. Yeah, we're not not exactly at the Exalta Studios. We're actually recording this in the Atlanta Airport on Mike and, and my layover for our trip to South Korea. So we're not in Mooresville anymore. Your attention, please. <laughs> yeah, you're going to hear uh, an occasional PA announcement, but that's just the way it's going to be today on the Dale Jr. Download, yeah, isn't it? That's just showing our dedication to getting this out there to you. We've had a uh, we've had an awesome week, a lot to talk about, so let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your producer, Matthew Dillner. On behalf of Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Mike Davis and the entire Dirty Mo Fly Crew, I'd like to welcome you to the Dale Earnhardt Jr. Download. Dale Jr. has turned on the Fasten Seatbelt sign. Make sure your seat backs are laid all the way back, and your folding trays are full of frosty beverages. Portable electronic devices are to be turned all the way up. Thank you for flying with the Dale Jr. Download. Dale Jr., first of all, before we get going on Daytona, um, we are on our way to Korea. We have had our first flight to Atlanta. Uh, to Atlanta. We are about to get on a flight that's 15 and a half hours. How you feeling? What's this going to be like for you? You looking forward to it? Well, I know you were worried about this layover, for, but it's not been that long, and uh, we're about to have to board in an hour. Um, I've been worried about the the flight. I'm sure I'm going to find out that I was worrying for nothing. Uh, You're going to sleep most of it. I am going to sleep most of it because I stayed up all night. I tried to stay up all night, and I fell asleep one hour before I was supposed to get up and go to your house to meet you. And Amy comes downstairs, luckily, or I'd have been sleeping. I'd have slept through the... Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know it was that... Uh, yeah. That, I forgot that. to set my alarm and everything. So if I had, if Amy hadn't come down and woke me up <laughs> and said, let's go, because she drove me to your house um, at 5 this morning, I would have slept through it, and we would have probably had to figure out another way to get to South Korea. I, I did uh, stay up enough that I think I'll sleep quite a bit on this flight. Yep. And uh, we're, I got my bag full of snacks. I mean, you've got a vending machine in there. Let's be real. Well, you, you have uh, everything that we have in our vending machines at Junior Motorsports. I think you've <laughs> packed in there. You are well prepared for this. I am, man. Well, I was. Uh, me and Amy, we sort of hoard a little bit in our cupboard. And even though we don't eat Oreos, there was a bag of little mini Oreos in there. I don't know where they came from. Probably something like a, they were probably like a stocking stuffer for Christmas, and they've just been sitting in there. So. I know where they're going. Right. To so Korea. They, that came in handy, man. I threw them things in my bag and a couple other things I found, and uh, so I'm not going to need any help trying to stay new, uh, stay full, and I won't go hungry on this flight, but I think the flight will end up probably being just fine. We got a little bit of a drive from Seoul, where we land, to Pyeongchang. Yeah, I'm dreading that part. That's the part you're worried about. Well, I mean, think about it. We're going to be on a flight for 15 and a half hours, and we're going to feel it. Like, finally got there, and then it's like, okay, now you have a three, three, and three and a half hour drive. Uh, yeah. But you talked me off the ledge on that. Listen, to be honest with you, my biggest fear that's ever, uh, when it comes to air travel, happened in our first flight this morning, and that is not having any oh room for God. the carry-on. Yes, that and was so embarrassing. I've been, listen, I've been, doing, <laughs> I've been doing my fair share of commercial travel. Look... I've never had that happen, and yet it terrifies me every time we're boarding. And it happened today. Yep. Me and you get on the flight, and there is literally no room in the overhead bins. All the way to the back of the plane, almost. And me and you went all basically down the plane. We basically greeted everybody on the plane because, again, we were late getting on the plane. I think we were probably could have boarded earlier. Sure. 
here it is. There's was, no room. And then, of course, I guess my bag is bigger than what most people's carry-ons are. It, you know, it looks about average to me, but I haven't took too many commercial flights. But when we got on there, that was really embarrassing. I'm yes. looking at all the all the overhead bins are open, but it's packed full of stuff. And I'm thinking, well, where's where's all this stuff come from? There's only so many people in these seats. Where's all this stuff coming from? And where are we going to put our stuff? So we walked halfway down the plane and couldn't find anywhere to put our stuff. Turned around, came all the way back up. With oncoming traffic, with, because yeah, people are still boarding. People still trying to board. We really made a fool of if ourselves. If we thought we were gonna do this real cryptically, that we that yeah. went out the window. And then of course, you know, the, the nice uh, flight attendant was gonna help me, and because my bag didn't seem to fit in the thing, it, I looked like a rugby player trying yeah. to push that thing in, and finally got that to work. And so I, I, I was like, this is already terrible. This has been my worst nightmare. I, stuck, I snuck my bag into one of those compartments where the food boxes go that they run up and down the aisle and the flight was so short that they didn't have the food boxes on there so i shoved my bag in there oh nobody put that in there for no. you no you just I took the liberty of doing that yeah man i get you kicked off right there you put your bag in no, the food it box won't. The, the lady just saw it uh she walked by and saw them a few seconds later and just kind of shoved it in there a little farther and i think that wasn't the only bag in there Okay. But, well, uh, I, look, that's that good for you. I was terrified. It was terrifying. So you're saying while I was sitting there trying to sh shove my bag in, you just kind of slipped I yours in that closet. I had already slipped mine in the closet. Had you? Wow, good for you. All right. Let's talk about Daytona 500. Let's do it. We did it yesterday. We went there. Had a good time. I don't know where do we start. I mean, like, let's, let's, let's just start with the command to start engines. Okay. Let's start with gentlemen start your engines. All right. I think a lot of people are talking here. I've not seen a bad comment yet. I haven't seen a hard critique yet. Everybody seems to believe you delivered it. They gave you an A plus on this thing. Yeah. And you feel good about it yourself. I did. I, I um, you know, I'm a traditionalist and like to do things. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it's old school, but just kind of by the, by the book or, and when I got that microphone in my hand and just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, man, it was getting so, I was getting so excited and more excited and not nervous, just like really excited about it. And I was hearing in my mind like these old, you know, gentlemen start your engines from back in the day. Oh, before wow. they Before they ever had anybody important or, or, or a CEO of a company or anybody ever do it, it was always, before they had, you know, when they had professional gentlemen start your engines guys, like... Oh, really? Yeah. Like, let's get ready to rumble guy. Okay. Oh, okay. Michael yeah. Buffer? Yeah, Michael Buffer. Yeah, so they, you know, when, when racetracks just had a PA announcer do it, they did it really well, you know, and okay. it was, and you never had, a, you never, never had anybody get up there and play it soft or get too goofy. Um, of course, you know, Adam Sandler and them guys, it's funny when they show their personality, but <clears throat> I enjoyed doing it. I, I, I don't want to overstate it, but man, that was so much fun. It was uh, more fun than I anticipated it being. Uh, pretty much everything I've done since I stepped out of the car in November has been more fun than I thought it'd be. So we're on a roll. And that was, uh, you know, and as I was saying it, I got more and more excited. I, I, I could tell. I could oh tell in the moment. God. Listen, this is my theory on it after having a front row seat for that. And I've always thought this, but you confirmed it. I think people must go in, with the exception of Sandler, I think people go in with this, like, I'm going to just do this solidly. I'm not going to go over the top. I'm not going to go underneath. Right. I'm just going to be a neutral delivery here. Right. But the moment in the microphone sort of force you to really kind of lean into it oh, when, yeah. it's, when you get going, because it's like, I got this microphone in this moment and people are cheering. And you said you were just going to do a traditional neutral thing. But you... 
you came out. I mean, you 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 tackled us I with that thing. I mean, you, yeah, you yeah. went all in. So Martin Trace texted me after the race and said, "Man, it's a great command." And I was like, "You heard it." And why I say that is because I I can't remember the last command I could actually hear from inside the car over the you know with the with the helmet on, you know, plugs in your ears, all those things. I, I can't remember actually being able to act, hear the over the you know the, the command over the PA system. We never could, so we would always have TJ say, "All right, you can start it up," you know, and and the guys around you are firing it up too, you know. He said, "Yeah, that was great." I said, "You could hear it." He's like, "Oh yeah," and he had a screen he could see too to watch it. Um, he said he liked it, so that meant a lot to me being him as my good buddy. But yeah, I uh, that was fun. We went up to we watched the start of the race uh, on the 88 box. You did? Yeah, I did. I watched the start of the race on 88 box till about um, four o'clock, and then we had a uh, request to go up to the, the France suite or the uh, ISC suite. Yep. So we went up there. They had a lot of great food up there. Amy had been up there all day, and you were up there. So we watched a lot of the race up there. We went down. Uh, we went back down to the infield with about 40 to go, 30 to go. And then we sat there and watched, uh, hoping that Alex was going to win. And when Alex was knocked out, we started packing up and heading out, and we yeah. didn't really see the last lap. We caught a bit of, you know, a bit of grainy video on on social media and so forth of the finish, and knew that Austin had won, and knew uh, that Bubba had run second and so forth. But as we were taking off, we were kind of getting bits and pieces of it. Just disappointing for Alex. He, he run good, good all day. I thought he he ran. I don't want to say he ran better than I expected because I expect great things from him, but. I was real happy with how his car drove. I was a little more worried about his car not handling because they had not really had a lot of time to practice in a pack. You know, what they did in the qualifying race, they bailed out and decided to save the car. And I was afraid he's going to find himself in some situations in the pack Sunday that weren't comfortable and that would take his confidence away and he wouldn't ha we wouldn't run well. But, man, he did great. Um, I mean, uh, let, let me stop you there. I mean, you had said that, wow, the experience in the field is going to be a whole lot for him to tackle. Sure. When it, and then also Kevin Harvick had said after the duels that he didn't d learn anything in the duels, that he didn't get any drafting practice. You said last week how important all of that drafting was going to be, the practice leading up to the race. So it is fair to say he exceeded expectations. Do you think it was, I don't know, unfair to assume that much of Alex? I mean, or did, is it just comes with the territory? I mean, he's certainly surprised me yeah i didn't mind being freaking surprised Trust right me. you know and the, as the race went on i found myself pulling pulling for our alex in a different way um for so long we've been trying to help him get this opportunity and now i'm just a fan and i'm sitting there watching the race going man i'm a alex bowling fan i'll be damned yeah you know and i'm 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 really wanting to win and i'm thinking about i'm i'm like I'm like daydreaming about what it might be like to watch him win this race, and so that that was a really unique feeling for me. Probably a first uh, since my dad, you know, watching my dad race and pulling for him to win. I've never really ha sat and watched and really pulled for someone else like that. So I had fun, you know. Blaney and everybody. Blaney runs so good, and see Bubba do well. Um, what a surprise that Austin wins the race. I thought the event. 
what I experienced in those two days and the whole event, the energy, the feel that I got was that we've turned the corner as a sport. I felt it too. Yeah. Before the race even started. Right. I felt that before the race, and I didn't know if it was because we were in a different type of environment with a different approach. You certainly were. We were both way more relaxed. I mean, usually we're on edge because you're on edge. I mean, you you enjoyed the heck out of the speedway. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But... The crowd and the energy that we were feeling from the from the time we started in the morning, it, it was obvious. You felt it when you went on stage and you were doing these making the rounds and then when the when the thing started and there wasn't an empty seat. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah, they've had a couple sellouts the last two or three years. I didn't know if I felt I didn't know if I sensed the difference visually in in the size of the crowd or anything like that. But I felt like a a new dawn you know a a new beginning because you know why because those young guys lived up to the billing i mean they honestly took speed weeks i felt like you and i were talking about this i'm like they really showed out all of them all them young guys right all week you know and and the off-season stuff was entertaining to us but we thought that it was no more than just entertainment value right but then, you know, the Denny Hamlins and the Kyle Bushes, they, they would take the day when it all came down to it. You know what? They didn't. They were there, but they didn't push them young guys out of the way. Blaney was there all day. Bowman yeah. was there all day. Chase was there Chase. until the wreck. Um, you know, all them young guys. Byron was in the wreck late. I mean, those guys, I, I thought they earned a lot of uh, credibility, and they earned a lot of fans. Yeah, I think that uh, you're exactly right. I thought it was a fun back and forth, or it was fun to listen and watch the media um, in the off season about the young and the veterans, the youth movement and the veterans. It was fun to watch that go back and forth. But once we got to Speed Weeks and we saw, we saw exactly what was happening on the racetrack, and it was really playing out. The youth versus the veterans was really was, was yeah. playing out in these little qualifying races and in the clash and so forth. And so I think that that storyline is going to just continue to enhance itself over the course of the season. That's going to be a the, that could be what the season's all about. It would be awesome, wouldn't it? Right, yeah. You know, after that media day, Blaney already started being funny with it yeah. and you know, him and Bubba Wallace doing that little video when he was oh, having yeah. to spend the night party or whatever yeah. it was and I mean, listen, that'd be great. Yeah. I would love it. Because I, you know what? The, the veterans are going to have their days. I mean, they, they're yeah. still legit, right? Oh, yeah. But, man, those rookies and those new guys and the young guys, man, they showed up. It was so fun to watch. I agree with that, man. I'm, I'm excited about the, the, you know, the rest of the season. Because of that, I think that you have a real changing of the guard or you got a new, new, you got some new blood coming in, and they're really crafty and they're eager. They're so eager. Chase was... Chase Elliott was one of the main reasons why that Xfinity race we saw on Saturday was so exciting. Yeah. Because everybody has, everybody sort of has um, their own style in the way they draft. Chase's is different than anybody's that I've seen in a while. How so? Well, Chase, so if you watch Chase when he's out there on the racetrack, even in practice, he'll, even when they're in a single car line, he just starts moving around back and forth. He starts going low and then high and low and high. And he's just he's just hustling and aggravating the guy in front of him. That's all he's trying to do. And at the same time, he's trying to create energy or a draft or a push out of nothing. Oh, wow. If he sits still, um, that, that push and that energy and that, that run that it's gonna, that's going to eventually happen happens on its own. If he does this movement, he can create it beforehand. 
And so if you watch the Xfinity race and watch him in practice at Talladega coming up in a, in a, in a month or two, he just starts moving around left and right, left and right, left and right. And he's really just aggravating the leader. And all of a sudden, somehow or another, it creates some energy from behind and it gives him the running needs to actually make a move. He's just not content with riding in second. He's not. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, and as that Xfinity race went on and they started they were getting more aggressive and trying to take the lead, it became a game between him and Larson and Logano on who was going to lead. And it became almost insulting for anybody to lose, you know, for one of them to lose the lead to some. They're like, you know, they all felt like that they were the ones that should be leading the race. And you could see it. They were having fun, but at the same time, they got com- extremely competitive in that race to lead it. And I think that when Chase was up front and in the cup race, we saw the same thing. Once Chase was out of that cup race, uh, a little bit of the energy as far as the action and movement in the front of the pack died down quite a bit. That's one thing that I like about Chase, and if you like exciting plate races, you want Chase to be a part of it because he's gonna never settle for riding around in second, third, and fourth that, position. That's got to aggravate the snot out of yeah. everybody else, doesn't well, it? Right, so it just kind of instigates action. And you could see it just getting bigger and bigger and bigger throughout the, the duration of that Xfinity race. Yeah. And so that's a good thing. I don't know if people really picked up on that, but that's a that's a great, great thing for this sport going forward uh, is to have drivers like Chase. And Logano and, and Larson, they're just like him too. I mean, once they saw that Chase was game, for a, for a contest of who could lead and who, 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 who was the better leader and who was the guy that could make the moves. Uh, once they saw that Chase was game for all that, it was on, man. And nobody was settling or riding uh, or content. So that was, that was something that I observed. Uh, it's going to be interesting going forward, uh, seeing how that, that all plays out. We had a great, we had a great Saturday win in the race, uh, uh, Tyler Reddick did an amazing job. You know, actually, I didn't even see Tyler Reddick all race long. He ran under the radar all day. Sort of like Austin Dillard did, yep. did on Sunday. Exactly. Yeah. Pretty much the same race. Um, he come out of there uh, in a great position there on the last several uh, green-white checkers and wins the race. And then uh, we go to Victor Lane, and he's just so uh, together. He, he I was. Mean, how, would you, how would you explain his personality and attitude to people who don't know him after a win like that i I don't know i mean i'm learning about tyler reddick as uh, in real time basically like everybody else is but the fact of the matter is is that these kids it's so it's so funny we use it almost as a cliche but they they're too young to know the magnitude of the situation or even like the way they race they're too you know we say they haven't hit the wall yet because they just race balls out and everything but like tyler did understand the magnitude of what he did because he was super grateful but these guys are so cool. Uh, they're they're just so cool and collected. They, uh, they, they do you think they're mature beyond their? Is it a mature thing like they've just because they, they start racing maybe so early in their maybe lives? yeah that's a good point maybe I mean they're they're mature in their racing career. I, he 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 was so impressive. I, yeah, I know what you mean, and I got to think I'm still kind of processing what to make of that Xfinity Series race because to be honest with you, Tyler Reddick. If we talk about having how he composes himself in victory lane and everything. The race itself, I mean, first of all, he thought he won a race. He won the race on the restart before that, and then he the caution came out before he took the white flag, like 100 feet before he took the white flag. Dave Ellens, the crew chief, is already celebrating on the pit box, which is like the ultimate 
Oh, dude, you just screwed it up. Anybody superstitious knows that if you start celebrating something early, then that's that's it. And yet he had to recollect himself. Who does that at that age? Like, who can do that? That is so. And then you got Elliot Sadler, who's raced for a million years behind him. And then they've raced to what was the closest finish in NASCAR Xfinity Series history. I'm just impressed by the kid. I'm impressed by the way Elliot Sadler raced. I'm impressed they didn't wad him up coming to the line. I was really scared about that. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I don't know, man. I was just, I'm a big Tyler Reddick fan now, too. He won me over. Yeah, me too. I'd have to say the same thing. We were um, in the off season. he was texting me about how their tests were going. He went to Atlanta and test, and he's shooting me, you know, he's just. Um, on his own shooting me text messages about how the day's going and all that and I love that about him because you know he just he just wants to be engaging yeah and uh, you know it's and, and we've got we, we have great relationships with all our drivers but he's he's fitting in so well to junior motorsports and uh, I'm excited about his season he's got a great team around him Dave you know Dave's gonna do a good job championship crew chief uh, this is going to be exciting season for us. We've got a work cut out for us up against uh, Christopher Bell, I believe. I believe Christopher Bell is going to be our toughest competition. Cole Custer as well. Um, he had a, he had a great finish to the previous uh, season, and and I know he'll be also in the mix. But we're going to have an interesting year. Uh, but it's awesome to be able to get a win right out of the gate. That does so much. We've seen this before with our company. How much motivation and morale that that gives us going forward. And everybody was so stir-crazy before the season started to get down to Daytona and get to work. Uh, to come out of there with a, with a victory uh, just really makes everybody happy. So proud of Junior Motorsports. And, and um, what, what, what have we left out about this weekend? We've well, I've got a few. I mean, I, I want to ask you. I'm going to give you some names and just give me some quick thoughts on them because I think we can really kind of review our weekend this way. Austin Dillon. And, and, and the fact that his win, the three, yep. the whole history thing, give me your impressions on that. Austin Dillon is a guy with his own style. Um, it's a new style. You know, it's not traditional. Uh, he's. I think the more we see of him over the next couple of years, the more interesting he's going to be. It's going to be a new uh, – he's going to bring some new flair into this sport. And uh, we've seen that out of him over this offseason as far as how he's sort of branding himself. Um, How is he branding himself? Like a cowboy? No. Like a, what, what, what well, is he? he, he was I can't wearing, make it out. I know. He was wearing the cowboy hats, but he's starting to, I don't know, he's just starting to get, I don't know, you know, he's just kind of coming into his own. He was sort of part of the part of the family, and the, their their whole thing was, uh, was cowboy hats and dirt cars and racing <laughs> and uh, barns and whatever, guns. you know, yeah, guns, <laughs> boots and guns. Boots and guns. <laughs> well, he's sort of changing his style just a little bit, uh, becoming his own man, if you will. Got married, and, and she certainly had a great influence on him, and he seems to be enjoying himself. Um, they're fun to watch. I don't know if you follow, you follow them on social media, man, but, boy, they're getting some mess. All right, so there's Austin Dillon, Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace. You know, you can't help but pull for the guy. What a great story. He has the potential to change the face of the sport and do some things that no black driver's ever done in the sport before. You know, I believe he has the talent and the skill. A lot of people kind of wondered whether he had done any done enough, I guess, to get this opportunity, but I I I felt I never felt that at all or felt like he didn't deserve the chance and he went out and proved it on Sunday by driving like a veteran and you know, driving with 
his head on his uh, shoulders, and, and he just put together a complete race. As we learn more about him, about his family, we saw a little bit of that after the race with his emotion in the press conference. As we learn more about him, uh, I think we're going to continue to become bigger fans. Did we get a glimpse of the weight and the pressure of a, on a driver such as him? You've certainly had pressure. Like when, that, that moment when he just lost in the media center, which was this moment of vulnerability and just you, could, you couldn't help but feel for him, uh, but also really like him. I mean, what, what was that that we were watching? The, could you relate to that at all? Yeah, I was watching him all speed weeks, and he had so many media responsibilities and commitments more than any other driver by far, um, multiple times more than any other driver by far. It reminded me of the countdown to E-Day that we had for our first race in Charlotte uh, with the Budweiser car and how not fun that was. I mean, that was a real miserable experience having to deal with all that pressure. And the, the, the reason why it's not fun is because as a driver, you're you're coming into your... So Bubba Wallace is coming into his first Daytona 500. Right. All right. He's going to race his first Daytona 500 for Richard freaking Petty. All he... The last thing he wants is... is, is, mo, is extra publicity... And and that what what that pu- extra publicity does is it brings on more expectation and pressure and it puts the focus on you and you really just kind of want to go in there and do your job. It sets you up. Yes. For you know uh, uh, embarrassment. It sets just, you up for you know all it, those things you just don't want. It puts so much fear and, and and doubt in your mind over whether you can live up to all of this exposure because exposure feels like hype. You know, and even though we no one was really hyping him, we were just you know everybody that was trying to cover Bubba was just trying to cover his story. To the driver, it feels like it's it's people are hyping you, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I ain't deserving no hype. I don't want people expecting nothing. You know, we're just gonna go in there and race and try to do the best we can. And he was feeling that pressure, man. I think it was probably the most pressure I've ever seen any driver deal with, any kind of you know any kind of media crush. I don't. I think that he set a he set a, he set a new high for uh, handling that type of pressure and and how much he had to deal with. I was just so concerned with his well-being and his you know his his peace of mind and his where his head was at. But he held it together. Yeah. I was I was parked next to him in the bus lot, and there were there was uh, he was he had media scrums outside the bus. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he not, not to mention the stuff he had to do in the media center. He'd go back to the bus, and there'd be 10, 20 reporters around him cr- yeah. push, pushing him up against the bus. And, you know, and he just he answered every question, did everything they asked him to do, which he was asked to do a lot. I can't express that enough. He won me. I met him last year. I put it on Twitter uh, last night. I mean, I, I started – Get to get to know him when we were playing basketball he's together. A, yeah. And I'm like, oh, he's pretty cool. I like him. He he's a real nice guy. But then he started doing stuff on social media that made me really think that he's even even cooler and I like him now. But then he won me. I'm buying a yeah. Bubba Wallace shirt. He is, he, um, one of the things about him is he gonna, he's going to wear his emotions on his sleeve. I love that, though. Right? Yeah. And, you know, that's something. For better or worse. I know. Right. We actually got a little bit of that yeah. uh, even before the, the the emotional thing. I mean, like he had some things about Denny that he kind of put on out there. Right, he did. Um, so he, you know, you're gonna have to 
accept the good and the bad when yeah. you know when when he wears his emotions on his sleeve. We've seen that with him before, and as he races on into his his cup future, he'll mature as a driver and continue to get better at managing his emotions. But I think it's great to see him. A couple observations I had from Daytona, and you can add some to this. You can add whatever you want to do. One, you seemed happier. Yeah, I mean, I just going in there without the pressure of having to drive and perform was nice. Just going in and enjoying the experience, enjoying the energy of the race. I love Daytona. I love Daytona 500. I, you know, to feel that, to feel that event uh, without the pressure from 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 driving the car and the expectations of your, you know, your own, you know, the pressure you put on yourself was real nice. Because I don't mean this disrespectfully at all, but like, you weren't. A ton of fun to be around during speed weeks oh, ever, I right? I mean, no. like, like you, you had a lot of pressure that you were putting on yourself, and so this wasn't, you know, your most uh, personable moments uh, in your life. And so, I never really, I always knew that, but I never really could process it until I saw how this weekend went with you with no pressure. And then I realized, wow, that was really kind of weighing on him oh, uh, God, all those yeah. years. So yeah. um, you enjoyed it. The other thing, did you notice that Steve O'Donnell, when he introed you at the driver's meeting, he brought up the yellow line? Yes. Like he, he dropped a little joke in there. Oh, he told me he was going to do that. Oh, he did? Yeah, he uh, did. I, thought, I was wondering if he's going to ask me to stand up there and say anything, which I'm glad. <laughs> About the I'm, rules? <laughs> well, I'm just, yeah, I was, you know, he could have really put me on the spot. But, uh that was a lot of fun to sit there and take in the driver's meeting from that perspective. You know, you sit there in those driver's meeting year after year and look across there at those celebrities and the people that they have guests. So um, to sit, to, it was just staring into a mirror, man. It was so weird. It, you know what would have been funny? If at the end of the meeting when they always say, does anybody have any questions, which clearly that's for the drivers and crew chiefs, if you would have raised your hand and started, and started asking it. questions. Should have. That would have been awesome. Could you clarify that yellow line rule yeah. a little bit? Uh, another one. You did win a dollar on DraftKings. Damn, uh, man. Are you going to tell everybody that? Oh, you don't want to? Well, I know. I thought it was uh, embarrassing that I just won $1 of the $10,000. That might have been good. Who knows? Well, I, actually, were I you expecting it, to win money? A first place guy won 500 bucks. Oh, is that right? Yes. Okay. All right, so you and only, I looked at his lineup you're only four hundred ninety nine dollars off the lead. Yeah, I looked at his lineup. It wasn't all that, but hey, I had fun playing DraftKings. I I have the app on my phone. I actually put in twenty five dollars last night. Oh, you did? I'm a little tempted to play. Do uh, it this weekend let's in Atlanta. It. Yeah, all right. Let's put together yeah. a league. Let's yeah. have some fun. All right, you just tell me a story. I don't know the uh, what happened. Give me the context. We were going to Victory Lane to celebrate with Tyler Reddick. You grabbed a couple of kids that were outside Victory Lane. I don't know if you knew them or not, but you brought them in and you told the guards like, let them stay right here. And what was that all about? Was that just a random thing? I just see kids, man, and I want to make them. I want to. I, I don't know who they were, but they were wanting a hat. Actually, he was asking for the hat on my head, and I didn't want to give him that hat. And I knew there was like 150,000 hats in Victory Lane, so I said, "Why don't you come into Victory Lane, and it. I'll get you all the hats you can stand." So <laughs> the kids actually walked out of there with like 30 hats. Every time, all weekend, without the pressure of the race car, every time I saw a kid, I was like, "Come on, you want to go?" You know, it was fun just dragging them in there and letting them see what's going on and taking them somewhere that they didn't think they could go. I remember when I was a little kid at the racetrack, and you didn't know you could go and get in certain areas, and so it's a real great experience when you could. It's time for Ask Junior. I got a question. You have a question for me? Hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag AskJunior. Let's do some Ask Junior questions. We got five that uh, Matthew Dillner picked out for us. He would typically ask these. I'm going to ask him this week because we're at the uh, Exalta Airport in Atlanta. Big Daddy Chunk says, uh, in light of the photo finish on Saturday, I was wondering what happens if a finish is determined to be a tie. I don't know. I mean, 
I really don't think that it's even possible that a right. finish could be a tie. You might have to go a few zeros down the aisle there yeah. to get to it, but yeah. I don't know. I think that they would have... Is, I don't even know if it's possible for cars to tie. Yeah, is who it? knows? I don't, has there ever been a tie in maybe track and field or anything like that? It feels like that there has been a tie in something, and I don't remember what it was. I don't think it was in our sport. Right. No, um, I thought it was on like a... It was in something else. A, athletics, like yeah. track and field. Yeah, track and field. I, that's what I'm thinking. But um, I don't know. It's a good question, Big Daddy Chunk. Um, it was funny, though, when you went into the media center afterwards, they said, Dale Jr., this is the closest finish in NASCAR National Series history. It was 0. 0.000. And your first reaction was... My first was, reaction was, that sounds like a tie to me. Sounds like a tie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a little a nugget. Um, I was, when we crossed the finish line, you want to talk about that? That was, I thought that was pretty funny. What'd you do? Um, I don't remember. Well, we were, so we win the race, we think, and I come out of the bus to get on the cart to leave, and I was like, I really am not sure oh, if we right. should go. Right, because you... I was still worried that they were going to review the back straightaway push and decide that they had locked up and penalized us and not and, not, and take the win away. So I text Steve O'Donnell, and I don't know whether Steve thought I was being a smart-ass or not. And Steve, if you're listening, I was being genuine as hell when I texted you if, if, the, if the finish was final. And let's be real. After what you did last week, he's listening. They're oh, yeah. all listening. Well, I just was like, hey, uh, Steve, is that is the race official? He said nine's the winner. I'm like, all right, cool. I just wasn't sure. I didn't want to go over to Victor Lane, walk in there like an idiot, and y'all right. while they're pushing the car out and pushing somebody right. else's in there. You right. know? I just didn't know that race was so crazy at the end. I thought that was pretty funny, though, actually. And fact. Just, just to clarify, you were concerned that they were going to penalize it because we'd already been caught we got, uh, hooked up, you know, bump drafting, yeah. whatever you want to call it, earlier with uh, Chase Elliott and Elliott Sadler. They sent them to the back, so it looked like that there was a similar situation yeah. on the last lap. The back, yeah, the last Not, lap for us looked similar, and, and uh, I didn't know how they were going to judge it. Right. Uh, so I was wondering if they were still thinking about it. Matthew Boy 22 says, scenario, Amy has a craving for insert must food here, must have food here. What is the vehicle you use to go get it for her? Uh, probably my... Holden Commodore. I got a. I took a G8 Pontiac G8 and turned it into a Australian Holden Commodore. Um, it's got turbo, so it can get around pretty good, and it's quick like a go kart. So I'd take that on down to wherever she needed me to go, and I'd have it back pretty quick. Josh Fox asks, "What do you think about Alex Smith playing for the Redskins?" I'm fine with it. I, you know, I, I hated that they gave up Fuller, the cornerback. That was a disappointing uh, move to have to make, but uh, we'll see how the rest of the offseason goes, and hopefully they can put a good team around him. Last one, Jordan Tansell. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Did you ever get mistaken as Swifty from Six Pack when you were younger? I got that. I saw that question when it popped up in my timeline, and I did not. I did not. Six pack came out. I don't know. I can't remember how old I was. That was probably 1982. Early, early 80s, all right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember a whole lot from back then. I was only about uh, nine years old. Well, we actually have a flight to catch. We are on our way to South Korea, or as Elliot Sadler says, South Korea. Yeah. And so, yes, that's how Elliot pronounced South it. Korea. South Korea. Yeah. Uh, follow. I'm going to post a bunch of content on my Instagram story. So if y'all want to follow my Instagram story, I'll be posting a little, you know, stuff there. Uh, Mike, 
What about you? I, yeah, I mean, I, you know what I would like to do? I'd like for us to record a couple podcasts this week at least, uh, you know, and just kind of check in. And so we'll keep Matthew doing or working, um, and we'll do short ones. I mean, it's not nothing crazy, but uh, I'm going to post a lot of content. I'm along for the ride. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. Can't wait to get there, to be honest with you. So um, we got these Daytona thoughts down. Uh, let's go to career. All right, let's get on the plane. <laughs>